I'm on, right? There I am. Uh, I'm using my Bible app here, and I just pressed the button. There we go. So for those of you visiting today, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor here at the Gathering Place Church. Welcome online community. And uh, I know that for those of you here for the first time, you're here not just to believe, but to belong. You can believe anywhere, but when you show up at a church, it's because you want to belong to a community. So welcome. And we would love for you to be a part of our church family. We're so thankful to Lexus for being so gracious and allowing us to meet here and being so favorable toward us. It was, we were meeting in a high school and we were just rocking and uh, we were serving the city in uh, Rancho Penasquitas, Rancho Bernardo area um, and Poway. And then COVID hit. We got displaced. Uh, we hung in there and uh, Lexus opened the doors and here we are the church of Jesus Christ. It didn't matter where you're meeting, in a car dealership or in a high school. I've been with churches in the underground in Vietnam and in Russia and in India. And uh, God's people, wherever they gather, the presence of God is there with them. Amen? And the mission will go on until Jesus returns. So, but today I want to talk to you about Your life, I mean your body, but His life. Say this out loud with me. Say, my body, body. His life. life. Say it again. My body, body. His life. life. One more time. My body, body. His life. life. Amen? Amen. Online, don't just sit there and watch us, okay? Say it out loud. My body. body. Okay, the Holy Spirit is letting me hear you right now. It's supernatural, so don't just stare at me. My body. Yeah, help him. My body, his life. Okay, until you say it, I'm not moving on. Here we go. Ready? My body, his life. Okay, that is Christianity. The message of the world is to be all you can be. Maximize your human potential. There's nothing wrong with that. We should use all of our wealth, all of our health, all of our uh, ingenuity, all of our intellect, all of our relationships... Um, all of our skills, we should use them to their max because that glorifies God. However, where we depart from worldly philosophy, which is humanism, is when we max out our human resources, capabilities, skill sets, strength, wisdom, love, faith, whatever it might be, you reach the end of yourself. How many of you ever reached the end of yourself before? Just raise your hands. Come on. You ran out of money, you ran out of energy, you ran out of love, you ran out of patience, you ran out of whatever you ran out of, right? You ran out of belief in yourself because you failed so many times you can't even believe it. Or your marriage fell apart or you lost your relationship with your kids or you got fired from your job or, or whatever, you got you know, addicted, whatever it might have been. You came to the end of yourself. That's why I love people that have gone through NA and, and other, other uh, rehab and um, different... Um, restoration ministries and organizations because they have come to the end of themselves so they're no longer trying to impress anybody nothing to prove nobody to impress and they're honest and transparent and of course in many of these organizations they find what's called the higher power but in christianity we know his name come on Does anybody know his name? Somebody. What? 
The Christian life, my first, the first scripture I ever mem- memorized when I was 19 years old, somebody told me, there's power in that book, read it and don't ever stop. And I just believed it, so that's what I've done. I talked to a friend yesterday who, Josiah and I were in the car, and a friend of mine, he used to be a high school principal here in San Diego, now he's an associate superintendent, and he's a strong Christian, and he was on a car phone yesterday, so Josiah and I were listening to him, and he said, I've memorized the, the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, you know, word for word, and we got to talking for a while, and he's very competitive, right, so I did this just to provoke him. We were about to get off the phone, and I said, oh, by the way, I just wanted you to know, I memorized the entire book of Ephesians and Galatians and Philippians in the first six chapters of the book of Proverbs. See you later. Bam. <laughs> Which I did when I was going to Bible school. Yeah, sorry. I had to do it, Mary, just a little. So I guarantee you he's doing it right now. He's going to memorize more and he's going to call me up and say, well, I memorized the book of Acts. Got to provoke people to good works. What was I saying? Where was I? Huh? Your body, his life. Your body, his life. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know the main point. I'm just wondering where I was in my... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you come to the end of yourself. And as believers, this is the message of the gospel. It's not humanism. The message of the gospel is when we come to the end of ourselves, we have not come to the end. We've come to the beginning. Because that's when His wisdom kicks in, His strength kicks in, His goodness kicks in, His love kicks in. Right? His faithfulness kicks in. His peace kicks in. That's the message of the gospel. I am not impressed with us. I am not impressed with me. I'm impressed with Him. But you can't, until you come to the end of yourself, you don't get there. And you don't see what this is really all about. It's not about us. It's about Him. You know nobody's going to be worshiping you in heaven? Oh, that sounds like, that. you're looking at me like a dog in a new pan. Is that the first time you ever heard that? That nobody's going to be worshiping you in heaven? We are going to be worshiping Him forever. Coming to the end of ourselves so that God then can begin living His life through us is the key. My first scripture I memorized, that's where I was. Galatians 2.20. It says, uh, what does it say? Galatians 2.20. Let's get that up there. Can you get that up there? It says. That was a fail. Here we go. My old self. Let's say this out loud together. Come on. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I thank God that was the first scripture I ever memorized. From the very beginning of my Christian walk, I learned that my life is over, His life has begun. My body, His life. Why would we want to live on human capabilities when we can live on Christ's capabilities? The last couple years, if it's taught us anything, the human 
condition is miserable at best. We are weak. We are broken. We are confused. We're perplexed. We're lost. And we're all looking for answers. Economically, politically, even spiritually. But for the believer, we are not. Because we are looking at Him. Jesus has not changed over the last couple years. One iota. He's still the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what is happening in the earth, we keep our eyes on who? Jesus. And He's talking to us about things that nobody else is talking about. Everybody's talking about all these earthly things and all these dilemmas and all these complications. And the Lord's talking to you about what's on His mind. What's on his heart. He's not rattled. He's not moved. He's not confused. He's not fearful. I think about human capabilities. You know, I think about, you know who the fastest man in the world is? Come on, say it. Yeah, huh? Yeah. Usain Bolts. What a great last name. Bolts, right? Fastest man in the world. Runs the 100 meter in 9 seconds. The 200 meter in 19 seconds. The fastest a human can run is 27 miles per hour. Okay, that's, that's moving. But when God's Spirit, everybody say God's Spirit. When God's Spirit came upon Elijah, he outran a chariot. Chariots go 40 miles per hour. And he just probably waved at them as he was going by. <laughs> the strongest man in the world. Another great name. Hathorn, Thor, Hathor, Bjorsen. He deadlifted 1,104 pounds. But when the Spirit of the Lord, everybody say the Spirit of the Lord, came upon Samson, a building about the size of this Lexus Center. Two pillars holding up the whole building. 3,000 Philistine captains were partying in this massive building. And Samson... Just put his hands on two pillars and just pushed until the whole building collapsed. You know how far the human eye can see? On a clear day, huh? Seven miles? Ooh, that's, that, that, that's supernatural right there. Three miles. Three miles. But did you know that one day the Syrian army sent its army to capture Elijah and his servant saw them surrounded by all these chariots. And he said, Master, alas, we're going to perish. And what did the prophets say? There's more of us than there are of them. And the servant's like, okay, one, two. One, two, three, four, five, Right? He did the math, and he's like, the prophet's crazy. And what did the prophet pray? Lord, open his eyes. He saw farther than three miles, saw farther than seven miles. He saw into the unseen realm. Bam, his eyes opened. And chariots of fire were behind all the Syrian chariots. And now, do you know why they sent the, the, the Syrian army sent the chariots there? To capture Elijah? Now we go to hearing. Do you know, like, human hearing is not that impressive. A dog's hearing is four times that of a human's hearing. Where what you hear from 20 feet, a dog can hear from 80 feet. 
Right? That's why when somebody's coming to your house down the driveway or down the street, the dog's ears perk up. But you don't hear anything. The dog's, right? Elijah was 135 miles away from the king of Syria's castle. And the king of Syria was in his inner chambers talking to his advisors, making a plan on how to attack Israel. And Elijah could hear him talking to his cabinet in his inner chamber from 135 miles away. And he would go to the king of Israel and say, okay, here are the plans. And so the king of Syria is like, who? Where's the mole? Where's the double agent giving our plans away to Israel? And one of his servants said, actually, nobody. It's that Elijah guy. He can hear you talk in your bedroom. Why would we want to live on our own human capabilities, no matter how fast you can run, no matter how much weight you can lift, no matter how much money you can make, no matter how far you can see what you can hear? Why would we want to live on our own human capabilities when Christ's life is available to us? And so their solution, Mary... This guy that can hear you in your bedroom from 135 miles away is to go arrest him. Let's go capture him. That's like, that's like the Pharisees after Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. It says their plan was we need to kill him. Should we try our best? Absolutely. You can't just lay on your couch and have Jesus go to work for you, right? I mean, that's not how the life of Christ works. Yeah, darn. We give it our all. That glorifies God. And then God joins us in our all. And it's not just the professional preacher. It is the craftsman, the craftswoman, the businesswoman, the businessman, the parent, the grandparent, the husband, the wife, the child, the student, the athlete. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I like what Mark said one time. He asked Jesus, when do you have fun, Jesus? And Jesus responded, when you do. You see, Jesus is with you on the tennis court. Jesus is with you when you're trying to make that sale. And I'm not kidding. This is not just hyper-preaching. God with us. He's not just with professional clergy. He's with us. He's with you in every little tiny thing you're doing. I was talking to uh, Mario. I was preaching down in uh, Mexico Friday night. And he got to talking about the people that don't believe in Jesus answering prayers for parking spaces. He's like, what's wrong with these people? Like, why do we determine what God would and wouldn't do? Well, God can do big stuff and medium stuff. But he's not doing tiny stuff. Well, who are you? To define God and who, what He does. See, we, we, we put Him in our box. And say, now, I'm comfortable with God doing this. Why would God waste His time getting you a parking space when there are people dying of hunger all around the world? I don't know, but He does it. I park. You drive around the block. Have you noticed that? I have a friend, and I, I said to my friend, how many times is this going to have to happen before you finally concede that God answers parking space prayers? Right in front of the restaurant on a Friday night downtown San Diego. Over and over and over again. And he raises the dead. He can do it all. That's why the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 5. You see... 
we don't go around preaching about ourselves. But boy, we do in our natural lives, don't we? Our social media accounts, right? Nobody's putting a picture on their profile. Updated profile. You just rolled out of bed, right? So-and-so has updated their profile, and there they are looking the worst they ever have in their life, right? They get COVID. They're like an inch from, from death, and they take a picture and, you know, updated their profile. Or your kid, you know, that got arrested. Take a picture. Put that up there. My family, right? No. We don't do that, right? The perfect picture, the perfect friends, the perfect vacation, the perfect food. You put all that up there. The Apostle Paul says, we're not going around preaching ourselves. What does he say? We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is in the face of Jesus Christ. What is he talking about here? When God created the worlds, at first it was dark and formless and void. Just chaos. And then God spoke, light be! And light, whoosh, was created and it's still being created at 186,000 miles per second today. Galaxy after galaxy after galaxy after galaxy after galaxy. He says the same God who spoke light into the darkness, when you said yes to Jesus, He breathed His Spirit and the light of God went right into your spirit, right into your soul. Poof. And you were what Jesus calls born again. Christ moved inside of your body. That's why the Bible says you and I have the mind of Christ. We have access to the wisdom of God, the peace of God, the power of God, the joy of God, the hope of God, the faith of God. We have access to the life of Christ. That's why he goes on to say this. We now have this light who in context is Jesus himself, the life of Christ. Actually, you know what? Before we go there, I'm going to go to another scripture and we'll come back to this one. Let's go to the book of Colossians chapter 1. This is so good. Oh my goodness. Okay, we're going to go to uh, Colossians chapter 1 and start in verse 25, Chris. 125, Colossians 125. All right. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This was kept secret for centuries and generations past. But now, everybody say now. But now it has been revealed to God's people. What is this? What secret? Do you know the New Age, the secret? You know that New Age movement that came sweeping through called The Secret and the book was written and all that was made. And then the universe is, you know, I pray to the universe. The universe is bringing it to me. You know, you can manifest and all that bull that started in the Garden of Eden when Satan said to Adam and Eve, if you will eat off that tree and just live independently from God, you could become gods too. It's not new age. It's old age. That, that's been the lie since the Garden of Eden. That we can dictate our own destinies and control our lives, you know. And 
manifest. No, 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 no. Everybody say no. No, no. This is the true secret. Satan loves to steal God's stuff and twist it. He comes up with the secret. No, you see this word right here? But, but not for, what is it? This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past. But now, everybody say now, it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Say it out loud. <laughs> that's the secret, Jack. Yeah, that's the secret. That's why, okay, let's go, let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Oh, shoot. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, we now have this light, verse 7, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We now have this light, Christ, the life of Jesus, the secret, Christ in us, shining in our hearts. Thank God. Because my heart, apart from Christ, can get pretty dark. Lust and greed and unforgiveness and jealousy and competition and insecurities and fears. Anybody else in here? All right? I've got two honest people, three honest people in the house of God today. There's a four. Yeah, we, we have some nastiness up in there, right? But that's why God says you need help. And he just deposits Jesus into our souls. Inside, he's living inside of us, Dennis. Right? That wisdom that you experience in spontaneous moments, you know that's not you, right? <laughs> Amen. That's Jesus' wisdom. We have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like, we ourselves are like fragile clays, jar, clay jars containing this great treasure. This is us. We're made from the dust. We're clay. What do we do? We go to the gym. We pump it up. We try to shape it, right? We try to, you know, put that girdle on and get it as tight as you can. Right? We paint it. We put wigs on it. We put the eyelashes on it. Right? Or like me, you know, I, I, was, I, I started working out once I had a bunch of kids. I was like, my gosh, I got to stay in shape. These kids want to wrestle. They want me to carry them. They want me to swim with them. Oh, my gosh. You know, I'm already feeling aches and pains. I, I started late. So I, I started working out. And as you start working out, you start feeling muscles you haven't felt in a long time. Right? And then your mind starts to work on you and making you think you look like you did when you were in high school, right? And I'm thinking, I'm looking as good as I did when I was, you know, captain of my wrestling team in high school. I'm just feeling it. And uh, then I went up to uh, Ava's bedroom. She was younger, and I used to put her to bed every every night. And I'm sitting on her bed, and I'm kind of leaning, you know, crouched down like this. And, uh, And she was in the bathroom getting ready. And unfortunately... Uh, her bedroom mirror was right there on her dresser and I looked up and caught myself and I saw the mermaid man from Spongebob, right? I was like, that's a bad look, man. I was like, poof. It just totally shattered my, my, my illusion. This is not what's impressive. What's impressive is what's inside. This is 
is Christ in us. He is the hope of glory. This is what's impressive, is what's inside the earthen vessels, not the earthen vessel itself, right? Yeah. There's plenty of Christ to go around. Don't worry about, don't worry about the parts of Jesus that are falling off the table. That's why the Apostle Paul goes on to say this. We are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. What's the great treasure? That's yeah, who's the great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Come on. Tw- available to you 24-7. And you don't even need the set of steak knives, right? That comes with this great deal. You don't need, oh, oh, order it now and you'll get two of them, right? No, we don't need two Jesuses. One Christ living inside of my body gives me all the resources I will need to be the best dad, the best mom, the best parent, the best child, the best athlete, the best employee, the best employer, the wisdom of God, the faith of God, the peace of God, the mind of Christ. It's all inside of us because it's in Christ himself who's in us. That's why Paul says this. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles. Who has ever felt that way on earth? <laughs> <He's> a, <laughs> yeah. Pressed on every side. Sometimes it's like every side. There's no relief. And yet what's the Apostle Paul say about this? Remember, he's talking about Christ in us. But we are not crushed. We are perplexed. Anybody ever been perplexed? What the heck do I do with the situation that I'm in? I've asked all my counselors, all my friends, read all the books. I have no idea what I am supposed to do or what I can do. But not driven to despair. Why? Because Jesus keeps showing up. Just keeps showing up. How many times have I had a God thought in the middle of my perplexity? It's like, that's it. And you know it wasn't your thought because you were perplexed, right? You were paralyzed with confusion. And all of a sudden it's like this thought comes into your mind. That's the answer. It's so simple. That was Christ in you, giving you his wisdom for that situation. Anybody ever experienced that? Uh, am I the only one in this room today that, I'm, that knows Jesus? All right. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. There are times when you are abandoned by your friends, by your family, injustice at work, Where you have just, just like you're being hunted down, falsely accused, misunderstood, and you feel all alone. Anybody on this, anybody, anybody here ever felt all alone, but not abandoned? 
I remember when I got born again, that revelation hit me, Mark. I used to not be able to be by myself. I always had to be with somebody. I had to have somebody on the phone, you too. I had to be out with somebody. Somebody has to come over to my house. I'll come to your house. I don't want to be alone. I had emptiness on the inside of me that was plaguing my soul. And being alone was the worst thing on earth. After I got saved, I was, I was uh, in the kitchen doing dishes one day. You know, just a single young teenager. And, and this thought struck me. I will never be alone again. Jesus is my best friend for life. The Apostle Paul says, everyone forsook me. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. We are knocked down, but we are not destroyed. I like the way, I like the way that um, the Passion Translation says it. We are knocked down, but not knocked out. How many times have you, you think you have been knocked out? And then the life of Christ just breathes fresh hope, fresh faith, fresh vision into your soul. And you're inspired again. You re-up again. You're like, how do I keep doing this? How does this keep happening? I quit. I was done. I was at the end of myself. I was handing in my resignation. And all of a sudden, I had this fresh inspiration. Anybody ever felt that way before? It has happened to me over and 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 over again. And I know it's Christ in me. It's not John. And you know what it reminds me? Every time I read that scripture, ever for years, every time I read that scripture, I always think of Bozo the Clown. <laughs> this guy always comes to my mind every time I read that scripture. And sometimes I feel like Bozo the Clown. Dumb decisions. Things I've said or done or didn't do. And you just feel it's God. I acted like an idiot in that situation because I was so insecure. And you say dumb stuff. And you think later, oh my gosh. I wish I could. How many of you wish you had do-overs in life, right? (laughs) You bozo, right? Okay, then God, here's the thing I love about God. God chooses a bunch of bozos. And then he calls us to be his people. And we are the ones he's going to do great stuff through, right? So what if you were Satan? And you're like, this is my competition? (laughs) These are the people who are supposedly going to tear down my kingdom? I think one good punch will knock this clown out. So Josiah, come on over here. Here comes Satan. (laughs) So what you get for being a PK is my son Josiah. Right? And Satan says one good punch will knock... Knock Pastor John out, called to the ministry, called to lead God's people. Look at this clown. All right? Satan, give us your best punch. Probably he didn't even think you have to hit him that hard. Because, you know, he's just a clay pot. Boom. What? How did he get back up? How did John get back up? How did Christina get back up? How did Phil, Christina's arm candy, get back up? 
well, you notice she had the mic the whole time, and she didn't give it to him. That means he's just her arm candy. He's just... Yeah. So Satan says, you know what? I guess... The... No, get back here, Satan. Said, says, you know, that hit must not have been hard enough. We got, we, we got him fired, but now we need to hit him with some sickness. So now you're going to... He obviously is a little tougher than we thought, so Satan's, I'm going to hit him even harder this time. There we go. He's out now. John's down. Okay. Wait a minute. How did Pastor Mark recover from that church split up in Canada? And there he is, after his thousand-member church got split by some... (laughs) Yeah, and yet... Here he is on the front row at another church, prophesying, teaching, preaching, part of revival down in Guadalajara, blessing our church. How did that, how did that happen? Okay, I think we need some, you know what, you need a little bit of, this guy just won't go down. We're going to bring out some heavy artillery, right? We're just going to knock this guy out for sure. Okay, we're done with him now. He's definitely going to be down. All right, and Satan just moves. How does Stephanie get back up? After all the hardships, all the trials. The disease, the sickness, the layoffs. How do these clowns keep getting back up? See, the PKs think they own the church. My other son. Because it's not about us. It's about Christ in us. That's how... We keep getting up again and again and again and again and again and again. It's not about us. It's about Him. All right, let's all stand. The Apostle Paul ends this little expose on what the Christian life is really all about. And he says this in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. This is why we never give up. How do we not give up? Because of the life of Jesus on the inside of us. He keeps breathing fresh hope into us when we have none. Fresh faith into us when we have none patience in us when ours has run out he just keeps releasing his life into us and through us that's how we don't give up why don't we give up in this context of this chapter he's talking about being the salt and light of a dying world he's talking about sharing the gospel even when it's unpopular when people mock you laugh at you reject you don't want to be your friend anymore because you're one of those jesus freaks Paul says, I don't care how far they chase us down, how perplexed we are, how abandoned we are, how persecuted we are, we don't care. We never give up on the message of the gospel and being Christians and a Christless society because people need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So we will never give up because Christ will continually raise us up and we will tell this message until we see him face to face. So I just want you to raise your hands to the Lord right now and say, 
Lord God, I do not trust in my own abilities. I trust in your abilities. I will not put faith in myself. I put all my faith in you. You are my strength. You are my hope. You are my God. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Say, my body, his life. Say it again. My body, his life. One more time. My body, his life. All right, let's worship a little bit. Come on, let's put our hands together. Created from dust You came and you lived among us You took on our frame And you walked in our pain Now you're taking us higher You stepped into time You stepped into time you laid down your life You laid down your life to you took on our shame, you took on our shame, on the cross it was laid, now you're taking us higher, we go from glory to glory to glory, good song, never be the same, never be the same, so we go from glory to glory to glory, we're forever You called me your friend. You called me your friend. Brought into your endless kingdom. By the blood I was 